PenPod, internal medicine podcasts from the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. Hello, my name is Alyssa Mezichow and I'm a third year resident at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. This podcast has been reviewed by Dr. Kathleen Murphy, Assistant Professor of Clinical Medicine at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. This podcast will be an overview of meningitis, primarily focusing on pathophysiology, clinical presentation, workup, and treatment. Meningitis is the inflammation of the leptomeninges, the tissue surrounding the brain and spinal cord, and is defined as having elevated white blood cells in the CSF. It is often grouped with encephalitis, which is defined by parenchymal disease. Unlike meningitis, encephalitis typically presents with abnormalities in brain functions such as altermentation, altered behavior, personality changes, speech or movement disorders, etc. Patients with meningitis instead are more likely to have headache, lethargy, and even obtundation in severe disease. The two syndromes are usually defined by the predominant symptoms, although meningoencephalitis overlap syndrome does exist when symptoms are mixed and is primarily seen with some viral illnesses and certain bacterial pathogens such as listeria. Meningitis is typically divided into acute bacterial meningitis or aseptic meningitis, which is an important distinction for deciding on empiric treatment as well as outcomes. Aseptic meningitis is typically defined as patients with a clinical meningitis picture and negative routine bacterial CSF cultures. Infectious causes of aseptic meningitis include viral, fungal, and parasitic infections, as well as many bacterial pathogens that do not grow well in routine bacterial cultures, such as mycobacteria, i.e. TB, rickettsial pathogens, syphilis, brucella, and leptospira, to name a few examples. Aseptic meningitis presents similarly to bacterial meningitis, although frequently with less severe symptoms and a self-limited course, or with a more subacute presentation over the course of weeks to months, depending on the cause. For this podcast, we will primarily focus on acute bacterial meningitis, as this is associated with greater morbidity and mortality. Patients who develop acute bacterial meningitis typically develop infection through the colonization of the nasopharynx with bloodstream and then CNS invasion. Invasion of the CNS may also occur following bacteremia due to another localized source, such as with endocarditis. Additionally, infection may occur through direct entry into the CNS from contiguous infection, such as with sinusitis, or with trauma or neurosurgery. Organisms commonly causing community-acquired acute bacterial meningitis include Streptococcus pneumoniae and Neisseria meningitidis. Older patients or those with cell-mediated immunodeficiencies are also at increased risk of infection with Listeria monocytogenes. Patients with recent neurosurgery, ventricular drains, or facial trauma may develop healthcare-associated bacterial meningitis. Common organisms for such infections include staphylococci and aerobic gram-negative bacilli, such as E. coli, Klebsiella, and Pseudomonas. Unlike with other hospital-associated infections, such as pneumonia, patients do not typically acquire bacterial meningitis while in the hospital, unless they have one of these previously mentioned risk factors. Next, we will discuss clinical features and how we evaluate patients with suspected meningitis. Classically, students are taught that meningitis patients present with a triad of symptoms, including fever, nuchal rigidity, and altered mentation. However, the complete triad is only seen in approximately 40% of patients and is more commonly seen in patients greater than 60 years old. Despite this, 95% of patients with meningitis will have two out of the three symptoms in the triad on presentation. Nausea is also a common symptom. Less common symptoms include seizures, aphasia, 
focal neurosymptoms, coma, papilledema, or rash. Neurological deficits and seizures are more commonly seen with listeria infection, which often has brainstem and cerebellar involvement, known as rhomboencephalitis, while skin manifestations are more common with Neisseria meningitidis. Additionally, patients may also have concomitant infections on presentations such as sinusitis, otitis media, or pneumonia. Physical exam may be notable for decreased passive or active flexion of the neck, which is seen as an inability to touch one's chin to the chest. Patients may also have difficulty turning their head to the side, although this is less reliable. Classically, the Brudzinski and Koenig signs are also described as indications of meningitis. The Brudzinski sign is the spontaneous flexion of hips during passive neck flexion, and the Koenig sign is the inability to allow full extension of the knees when the hips are flexed. Both signs indicate meningeal inflammation and are fairly specific but have low sensitivity so their absence does not preclude a diagnosis of meningitis. Initial workup for meningitis should include basic lab work, including a CBC, which will commonly show leukocytosis, although severe infections may be associated with leukopenia and thrombocytopenia. Blood culture should be obtained prior to antibiotics in any patient with suspected meningitis and are often positive in bacterial meningitis. They are especially helpful if there is a delay in obtaining CSF sampling. An LP should also be obtained in all patients with suspected acute bacterial meningitis to obtain CSF unless it is contraindicated. Relative contraindications for an LP include increased intracranial pressure due to obstructive hydrocephalus, cerebral edema, or a space-occupying lesion due to an increased risk of herniation. Other relative contraindications are thrombocytopenia or increased bleeding risk, or if a spinal epidural abscess is suspected. A CT scan prior to LP should be considered in patients with a history of immunocompromised, CNS disease, new onset seizures, or those with presenting with papilledema, a focal neurodeficit, or decreased consciousness. Once it has been determined a patient can undergo an LP, the LP should be conducted. An opening pressure should always be attempted as an elevated opening pressure defined as greater than 20 centimeters of water, can be associated with bacterial meningitis. CSF studies should always include cell count and differential, glucose, protein, gram stain, and routine bacterial culture. In patients with meningitis, CSF will have an elevated white blood cell count with the degree of elevation, differential, and additional studies differing for bacterial and other causes of infectious meningitis. For acute bacterial meningitis, CSF studies typically show a very low glucose of less than 40 milligrams per deciliter, an elevated protein of greater than 200 milligrams per deciliter, and a significantly elevated white blood cell count, typically greater than 1,000, with PMM predominance. Gram stain and routine bacterial culture can be used to determine the specific pathogen. The elevated white blood cell count for viral meningitis tends to be less than 1,000 and is lymphocytic predominant. In viral meningitis, CSF studies will also frequently show a normal glucose and elevated protein although again less elevated than with acute bacterial causes. Definitive diagnosis for certain pathogens may also be made with specific PCR testing for bacteria or viruses and other tests performed on CSF, such as cryptococcal antigen or VDRL. Fungal and TB meningitis will also show lymphocytic predominance similar to enviral meningitis, typically with decreased glucose and elevated protein, although there is some variability, particularly for fungal meningitis. For acute bacterial meningitis treatment, antimicrobial therapy should not be delayed while awaiting LP if it cannot be done immediately. While antibiotics prior to LP may reduce the yield on gram stain or culture, 
pathogen may still be found in CSF several hours after antimicrobial administration. Additionally, blood cultures obtained prior to antibiotics can be helpful. Antibiotics for meningitis should be given IV to allow for adequate CSF penetration and given at CSF dosing, which is often higher than for other infections. When starting initial empiric therapy, antibiotics are often chosen, chosen to target the most likely causative organisms, strep pneumoniae and Neisseria meningitidis. First-line therapy for community-acquired meningitis includes a third-generation cephalosporin, such as ceftriaxone, which has good CSF penetration and is effective against the most common causative organisms. Additionally, vancomycin is added in parts of the world with greater than 1% prevalence of penicillin-resistant pneumococci, which includes the United States. In adults over 50 years old and immunocompromised patients, ampicillin is included in the empiric regimen to cover for listeria. For immunocompromised patients, you may also consider expanded gram-negative coverage with either cefepimumir or penem, depending on the clinical situation. In healthcare-associated meningitis, empiric antibiotics differ, and vancomycin and cefepimumir or penem are instead recommended, particularly to cover staph aureus and gram-negatives, including pseudomonas. Of note, oftentimes acyclovir may also be included as part of initial therapy for acute meningitis if there's a concern for herpes viruses such as HSV or VZV. Therapy is then ultimately tailored based on culture results. In addition to early antibiotics, steroids should also be considered in any patient with suspected acute bacterial meningitis. Steroids are associated with a reduction in the rate of hearing loss, neurologic complications, and mortality in patients with strep pneumonia meningitis. If acute bacterial meningitis is suspected, dexamethasone at 0.15 mg per kilogram every six hours should be given shortly before or at the same time as antibiotics are administered. However, if patients receive antibiotics prior to steroids, dexamethasone should not be given as it is unlikely to improve outcomes. Steroids should be continued until you have identified the causative organism and stopped if it is not strep pneumonia. Now briefly to touch on aseptic meningitis, as previously stated, aseptic meningitis is typically more self-limiting or subacute in presentation depending on the causative pathogen. The most common causes of aseptic meningitis are viral infections of which enteroviruses are most common, particularly in the summer and fall. Other viral etiologies can include HSV, with HSV meningitis being primarily caused by HSV2 in immunocompetent adults. Patients may have genital herpes that precedes the meningitis, although not in all cases. HSV-1 is almost exclusively the cause of HSV encephalitis. For both, antiviral treatment with IV acyclovir may be considered, particularly in those who are immunocompromised. Other viral etiologies include acute HIV, West Nile virus, BZV, mumps, and LCMV. Most viral infections are self-limiting and only require supportive treatment. Other non-viral causes of aseptic meningitis include spirochetes, such as syphilis and Lyme, fungal infections, and TB meningitis. Typically, these will have a more subacute presentation. Specific treatments will vary based on the cause of disease, such as antifungals or ripe therapy for fungal and TB meningitis, respectively. So to summarize, meningitis is defined by an elevated white blood cell count in the CSF and is typically classified as acute bacterial or aseptic. The most common causes of community-acquired acute bacterial meningitis are strep pneumonia and Neisseria meningitidis. Blood cultures and CSF sampling for gram stain and bacterial culture should be obtained immediately in all patients with clinical concern for acute meningitis for whom an LP can be safely performed. Empiric antibiotics should be started as soon as possible in any patient with concerns for acute bacterial meningitis with steroids given prior to antibiotic administration.
This concludes our overview of meningitis. I hope you found it helpful, and thanks so much for listening.